Good afternoon. Welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards. Aren't you excited? I'm excited about being here this week because um, I get to go on vacation next week. So next week, I will not be on, uh, we will not do my regular podcast. You can go look at some old ones and catch up if you'd like. Um, so just to give you a heads up, right from the very beginning, we will not have this next week. I'm in the process of getting all my homilies. I've been uh, doing my homilies and uh, getting them set up that they'll come out every morning at 7 a.m. on Podbean. And all my tweets in the morning and evening, they're almost all done in my... Uh, I do all my own tweets, you know, in the morning and evening. And then I'll have my staff put them out beginning next uh, Monday morning. Uh, but I'll have done them. And then the evening one, too. It's the same with the pictures and everything. I'm almost done with all that. So that will all be taken care of next week just to give everybody a heads up. So first thing we got to do is pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for giving us hope in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the struggles, that you are God, that you control all things. And when we surrender our hearts and our lives to you, that you promise that you will take care of us. You promise in your word that all things will work together for good to those who love you and are called by your decrees. We do love you, Lord, and we seek your will more than our next breath. And so we trust you. And we trust the hope that you desire to give us and the joy that you desire to give us. We beg all these things, Lord Jesus. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope everybody's well. It's been cold here in Erie, Pennsylvania. That's why next week, God willing, it's going to be warm where I'm going. So, And it's not hell either for those of you who are thinking that. No, we're not going there. God willing. So just so you know. But anyway, so uh, this is the time where we come and we just talk about uh, the church and we talk about um, any of your questions you have, and you can send them by email to the foundation, the reason for our hope.org, and just put on there uh, uh, a question for Father Larry, and it'll come on there, or Anchored in Hope, and it'll all go there. Or you can just do it if you're live with me now. You can just put it in your comments, and then we'll go through the comments and get as many as those answered as possible. Okay. So let's begin with the comments here. Hi. If at our particular judgment we are given either purgatory or heaven or hell, can we lose the destiny of the general judgment when all is exposed that the consequence of our choices are revealed? No, when you're, again, according to the, the theology, is that the particular judgment you go to heaven, hell, or purgatory. Now, when the uh, final judgment happens, that is for justice, so everybody can see the justice of God, is what, again, I was taught. But again, we're all, this is all theological conjecture. Now, again, we can talk about this the way we explain it, but 
always remember that God is bigger than us. That God is God. The way he does things is different. Even when we sit there and we think we can put him in our little box, God says, excuse me, I'm the one who created you. Excuse me, I'm in charge. And so everything we say is the best way that we can explain it in our limited mindset, even with all the great theologians in the church, everything, God is still always more. And we got to remind ourselves that. If not, then we constantly limit God. And when we talk about God and we make everything exactly black and white, we have just confined God. And to confine God means that by definition, he is not God. Huh? He's always more. And so we got to always know that. But the truth of what we speak is still 100% totally true, but God is always more. So, yes, um, but uh, how God does this explicitly, who knows? We'll all find out, though, one day now, won't we? Next question. Thank you for clear understanding. Thank you there, Teresa. John Smith. Father Larry, my church closed a while back, St. Hedwig's. And I am not currently affiliated with any church. How would I go about having masses said uh, for others at St. Joe's? All you have to do is drop in the office. The office is open from 8.30 till uh, 4.30 every day. And um, they can do that. Uh, Trish is our secretary and she will take care of you. If uh, it's impossible, if you're homebound or something else, you can call her and uh, if the masses are available, I mean our... um, we have a lot of masses said at our parish, so sometimes you have to wait a while before you can have a mass said, and then you can uh, send the check in. If you can afford it, again, uh, there's usually a stipend for masses. It's usually $10, but masses, by definition, are free. You know, intentions are free. It's just a suggested donation for those who can afford it. Um, but again, uh, you can do all that. And St. Hedwig's just opened up again this past weekend, as a matter of fact, to the Latin Mass. <coughs> and so the church, anyway, is being used again. So that's good uh, that that's all happening there. But you're most welcome to do that, John. Okay, Vida says, pray, Father, pray for me. I don't want to fall into depression. I feel at times very anxious. I have no reason for this anxiety. I pray to God to offer it up for those who are going through the same. And again, what I can tell you is the best thing to do, because I get depressed um, too, and I've talked about that before here, but the best thing to always do is to go and do stuff for others. Then you forget about yourself. You know, so if, uh, you know, whatever, volunteering at a hospital, volunteering in a nursing home, volunteering, uh, holding babies um, in uh, prenatal, uh, I mean, when babies are born prematurely, there's a lot of things you can do. So I just encourage you, ask the Lord what he wants you to do because if you can get your mind focused on other things, then that can help because what you think is what you feel. So if you think about yourself and your life and the struggle, and again, we all do this, and this is just, I know how it happens in me, that, uh, but if I can focus on other people and get lost in other people, then uh, I don't focus on myself and whatever I uh, is pulling me down. Now, again, unless it's something that's a physical reality, and if it's a physical reality, sometimes you just need medication that uh, fix your body. Your your uh, the chemicals in your body sometimes go out of whack, 
And so if you can get, and again, before people just start throwing people on medication, I always say they need a physical, they need to make sure that, you know, they're testing their blood, what's going on inside them so they can get things fixed. So hope that helps you. Uh, just suggestions that uh, I do. I'm not on any kind of physical medication or anything, but I do get, used to get March, used to be a horrible time for me. But anyway, uh, that's what helps me. Okay, let's go and take some uh, things from our email. Kevin asks, do you believe the division in a church today has a lot to do with lack of obedience? The word, holy word led me to this question. It does. I think the, the number one reason is division in the church today is pride. Uh, it's the pride that's been the original sin, if you will. It's the pride that uh, had Satan rebel in heaven and had him cast out its pride of doing things our way even though when you go all the way back to Adam and Eve when God says hey don't do this and the devil says go ahead and do this and Eve says and Adam yeah we'll do this it's pride and so next Monday because again I've been just getting ready for all the homilies and preaching on them next Monday is uh, from the book of Samuel the first reading and it talks about, this is the 17th, January 17th. And it talks about Saul is uh, cast out. And the reason Saul is cast out and rejected as ruler is because he didn't obey God when God told him to do something. And then he says, no, 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 I did it, but I just did this. And I was even offer it to God. So you're going to do a holy thing for God. Now, this is important because nowadays people are doing holy things for God. They're worshiping God their way okay this is the way I like to worship okay but it isn't never about me in worship it's always about us it's worship is always by definition a communal reality but then Samuel looks at him and says obedience is greater than sacrifice obedience is greater than sacrifice and so I just said, do I really obey God? Do I obey the church? Or do I obey myself? And again, uh, people are obeying themselves and doing things their own way. And again, as you've heard me all say a million times, what is the theme song of everyone in hell? I did it my way. Exactly. That's the theme song of everybody in hell. And that can be even good things. My religion, my way of worship, my way of praying. I did it my way. It'll be the theme song you and I will sing forever in hell if we don't repent and do everything God's way. Everything. Because even Jesus, who is God, had to look at the Father and say, Father, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass me by. But not what I want, what you want. And that's what we got to do. And when we are like that, we will learn humility and we will not be pushing our way or our theology or our anything. And that's what everybody, including myself, please. And that's why for me, I, again and again, I'm always obedient. I'm obedient to my bishop. I'm obedient to my Holy Father in Rome, Pope Francis, because I took a vow of obedience and I am not a liar, usually. And so I do what I can do, but I have to fulfill what I promised. You know, priests, 
be they uh, diocesan or religious, take at least two vows or promises, and that's celibacy and obedience. Huh? If you're religious, you take poverty, chastity, and obedience. And so obedience was the hardest vow for me to take. Celibacy isn't that hard in the long run compared to obedience. Obedience has always been the hardest one because we all have a tendency to want to do everything our way. And boy, do I ever have that tendency. Boy, do I ever. And so that's why uh, no matter what, even my old bishop, the bishop uh, uh, Persico and I get along quite well. He's very, 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 very good to me, even though he shouldn't always be, even when I've done some stupid things, not anything immoral, don't worry about that, but uh, said things stupidly or taken out of context, and he's always been very good, very good with me. And uh, my old one used to call me in all the time. And, but no matter what, when he asked me to do anything, and I remember once before I became head of Bread of Life Community, St. Joseph Church Bread of Life Community, when we merged, but it was Bread of Life Community then, he said, I want you to be in charge of this. And I said, absolutely not. And I argued with him about 45 minutes. And then he looked at me and he says, Larry, I'm not asking. Under obedience is what I'm telling you to do. <sighs> yes, Bishop. And every time I've been obedient, God has always blessed it. Always. Even again, I always tell the story that years ago when I was um, newly ordained, we had the first Iraq war, and I'm watching it as not even ordained a year at my classmates, and I said, I got to go help these people. So I uh, called the bishop, and I said, I wanted to be a Navy chaplain. Uh, well, really a Marine chaplain, but you have to go into the Navy to be a Marine chaplain. So I said, can I go? And he says, yes. And so I start all the paperwork and everything else. And then I um, forgot, how stupid I can be, to ask my, or talk to my spiritual director about this, Father Peterson. And so I went to see him and I said, oh, by the way, Pete, I, uh, I'm going to the service. I'm going to be a Navy chaplain. I talked to the bishop. He gave me okay. And, 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 and Senior Peterson, he was Father Peterson, then started saying, absolutely not. And I was completely shocked. I go, what? He said, I said, absolutely not. That's not God's will for you. I said, Pete, the bishop already said that's God's will for me. I know this is God's will for me. He says, it's not God's will for you. I said, what am I supposed to do? He says, you call the bishop and tell him your spiritual director said no. Uh, so what did I do? I called the bishop and I said, my spiritual director said no. And the bishop says, okay, Larry. I thought, you accepted that way too easy. But if I'd have had things my way, and it would have been a good thing, right? I could have, my personality is more like a, a Someone in the service, you know, I used to tell my boys that prep, I'll be your spiritual drill instructor these next four years. I'd, uh, you know, had a fine time. I could have been in the uh, Marines, uh, their chaplain, help these men who are giving up their life for God and others. And that would have been good. But it wouldn't have been God's will for me. And so I had to be obedient. And if I wasn't obedient, I wouldn't be doing this right now. I wouldn't have written my Be a Man book. I wouldn't have uh, uh, put out all the CDs and confession. I wouldn't have done all the missions. None of that stuff would have happened if I'd have done things my way instead of being obedient to God. And it's, it's sometimes easy for us. To, I can be obedient to God. 
but it's the God that I decide that will have things, sees things my way or listen to echo chambers, people who agree with me. But that's why it's important that we're under obedience to our bishop, to our spirits director, to our Holy Father. You know, the church has always taught that we can never go wrong through obedience. Huh? God will always bless it. And so we got to sit there. Now, again, if someone tells you to go out and explicitly sin, you know, go out and kill somebody, go out and hurt somebody, maim somebody, then you must disobey because now they're going against the commandments of God. But often it isn't that. It's just, I don't agree with that theology. Okay. Or like when it talks about, well, the, the Pope has changed canon law. And he's the only one that has the authority to do that. He can change every canon if he chooses. So when people use those arguments, I say, excuse me. It's just one you don't like. And so, again, none of us want to be obedient because none of us want to humble ourselves. And, you know, what overgeneralizations I just made. I get it. And I get the point. But a lot of us, including myself, obedience is the hardest thing I've ever had to live. It was the hardest vow I took because I knew it. And there's many priests today that are being disobedient because they, they see and they have people that follow them and they, as long as they're pushing the way their theology is, and uh, the, the fruit of that is going to be very bad. And I think that the vision, you know, so the, the question is very uh, simple. Do you think that the problem in the church today, the division is because of lack of obedience? And the answer simply is yes. Hope that helps. Okay, let's go back to here now. Do, 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 do. Again, uh, stylistic scribe, what does Luke 7.35 mean? I really don't know. I'm not, the, I'm not the scripture scholar. I would have to look it up just like you do. So again, like today, I was looking up something. And so I put it in the, the script. Uh, the, I do use Bible Hub a lot because it gives all the different translations, like at least 25 translations. So you get to see it in different things. And then it also has commentaries. And that's what I do. And that's what I'd have to do with that too. So, thank you, but I just don't know uh, what that means. It's vindicated by our children. I don't know. Uh, have a fabulous vacation. Thank you. I don't know if I deserve it, but I sure need it. Father, that new president of Cathedral Prep might be a nice guest to have on your podcast. I didn't know we had a new uh, president of Cathedral Prep yet. So, uh, and yesterday I just, uh, I met, via zoom over with people that it might be taken over the podcast now you know and uh so i can get guests and that on here they even did a nice little um uh, what do you call it for me they put a new intro in so again it's a very fast thing like the intros there now it's just very lala for me i don't know if anyone ever notices but it's a, a lala intro and again it was we when we were doing all this stuff we had to uh just get it done but we have a new company now that's looking to do all that stuff for us and if they do this i'm gonna i think it's gonna be um very good here let me just see if i can find this for you there we go and you won't be able to see it too well but you might be able to hear it 
but you won't be able to hear it if I have this on mute. <laughs> so sorry. I have to remember to turn it back off anyway. Here we go. So it's and, and it's not the final thing. It was just another another thing to show me an introduction, uh, a way they could do it. Because again, um, you know, my style is different. Like someone says to me yesterday on my daily mass that Father, you pick on daily mass people and you make me feel bad. Well, I'm a daily mass person too. I didn't know if anybody knew that. But my style is to always challenge us, huh? always meet people where they're at, but never leave them where they're at. So I don't like people and myself included for me to say about myself, oh, I'm a priest, you know. Well, shut up, Father. So who cares you're a priest? Are you growing in holiness? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Just sitting there telling everybody you're a priest and you say daily mass and you pray your rosary and different things. Ooh, you know, again, that's not enough. You got to go deeper, deeper, deeper. You got to be growing. So when I say, oh, just because you go to daily mass, it isn't enough. What? What? Don't say that to me, Father. Of course, I'm going to say that to you. God is always calling us to go deeper and deeper and deeper and grow in our love of him and to love of others. So that's always going to be a challenge. That's why I love best when I'm challenged. And that's why I do the challenging because, again, we have two choices. You heard me say 100 billion times. You become a saint or you go to hell. So Sanctity is something that we always have to be growing in. And so the moment you think that you're a saint, you're going to hell. It's just that simple because it's that pride. So we always, again, when I sit there, if I yell at somebody, I do yell at people sometimes in the confessional and not people who are really sinful. It's the people who don't think they're so sinful. Uh, now, sometimes I'm on someone's case if they're, if they're overboard focusing on their own sinfulness. And they say, you got to get over yourself and focus on Jesus and what he did for you. Don't you get it? It's what he did for you, not what you've done for him. You need to repent, of course. But then you get the other people that say, I, don't, I can't think of anything I've done wrong, Father. Well, let's start now. So then I can be, the, the challenge there is, but when I challenge people and they're sitting there and they start fighting with me, I says, this isn't a place to fight with me. It's the place to go, yes, Father, and then go pray about it. That's all. Unless I'm nasty. If I'm nasty, then you can uh, kick me in the butt when I need kicked in the butt. But if I'm challenging you to grow spiritually, you need to be able to accept that. And we all do. I mean, again, when I go to confession and uh, they're strong with me, I need to hear that, and I need to make sure that... Uh, that we're doing what we need to be doing. And that's part of it. Okay, so let's go on. So what that new thing is, the way it ends is there's the, the, um, um, there's the lighthouse. And I, I often think that this is what hope is about. It's the light shining in the darkness. And a part of what we want to do is, as the, the uh, podcast grows, is we want to start reaching um, younger people, but I want to be able to reach atheists. I want to be able to, like, I don't want to hear, just reach people in an echo chamber who agree with me. I want to be able to let this be an instrument of hope to many people, uh, way beyond where it's going now. And so we have to, 
tweak some certain things. So we'll be doing, you know, stuff at night. Uh, we'll be putting it out at night and do different uh, things. We have a, a whole list of all kinds of guests. I'm going to be doing it shorter because not many of you, well, the people are watching this, I guess, but I can say I've never watched an hour-long podcast my whole life, ever, ever, and I'm not the least bit interested in it myself. So what I said to them is I'd like to be able to do a shorter segment, you know, 15-minute podcasts. Uh, we might do an hour-long interview, but would put it up in 15-minute podcasts so that people could watch it more at their leisure instead of just, uh, you know, having to take a full hour and, and do this kind of stuff. So again, we'll, we'll, we're going to be trying different things. I am, uh, to tell you the honest to good truth, so bored by this right now where all I do is sit here and you have to just listen to me for an hour and I answer questions and it's really all about me and my opinion. And that's the, the last thing I want. I think that what we'll do is that we will once a month have something like this, a, uh, a time where I answer questions, but that'll be a separate entity. You know, it'll be a different, but the podcast, I really want, I really want to be able to get people and give, that give their reason for hope, you know, and uh, really bring that to how can we be pierced in the darkness today? Uh, so that's uh, hopefully where we're going, what we're going to be doing. So, so I don't know who the new president is. is. I don't, sorry. Is there a reason a Catholic can't be a vegan or vegan? Uh, no. Of course. I mean, if you go to the Old Testament, um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their original names, uh, they, were, they ate vegan, vegan, you know, and they were healthier than everybody else. So, of course, you can be a vegan if you'd like. Hi, Father Larry. Several years ago, I attended 2232 Men's Conference. Well, good. Come back. We have another one coming next month. Um, sorry, hit send too soon. I was at the men's conference and the priest was discussing levitating while praying. This has always baffled me. Have you ever had such experience? No, but that was Father... Um, oh, what the heck? He's from Cleveland. And uh, a good guy. And that was the first time I ever heard of it either. Uh and I was, I'm sitting there looking and listening to him going, huh. And then he talks about his spirit directory, went to the thing and he said, he did it. I have never done it. Um, it it's never, it's not even like on my things to ever really want to do. <laughs> I just, I have no real desire to levitate or any of those things. Uh, I, my greatest desire is to do God's will. It's my greatest desire. And if he wanted me to levitate, then I'll levitate. If he wanted me, whatever. But uh, when it comes right down to it, I, that's my greatest desire is to do God's holy will. Uh, that's it. So, yes, but I remember that, and I know the guy. Um, oh, for goodness sakes, I know him well. I just can't remember his name now. It's one of those things that happened to me. But he's uh, a Cleveland priest, a good young priest, much younger than me, of course. Anyway. Okay, Marianne. Hi, Marianne. What's your apparent? What's your opinion of the Sarah Young, oh Sarah Young book, Jesus Calling? I, I think it's. Uh, I I think it's good. It it's just not gospel. You know, like for instance, in the it's she's not Catholic, but that's not the. Uh, 
me looking at this. Like the number two book in the Catholic Church read next to the Bible is Thomas Kempis's Imitation of Christ. Now, he was never canonized because tradition has it when they come to uh, dig him up, Thomas Kempis, uh, they had found out they had buried him alive, and this is horrendous to even think about, and he was trying to get out, and he was clawing his way out, and so they said, because there was claw marks, and again, this is what I was told uh, years ago, I haven't verified it, um, but they said because that he might have despaired, that's why he never got canonized, but his book, Imitation for Christ, is the second most read book next to the, the Bible in the Catholic Church, and so um, that's what his thing is. It's about him uh, you know, the person listening to Jesus and uh, he speaks and then Jesus speaks. And so it's very, very similar to this uh, Jesus calling. And it's okay as long as we know that it's n neither imitation of Christ or Jesus calling is scripture. Now, there's scripture used in both of those things, of course. But even like when I do my uh, tweets at night, they're very comforting. You know, every tweet, I don't let it go out at night unless it's a comforting one. Morning, kicking about at night, but it's uh, hopefully always a comforting tweet. But it's, though it's based on scripture, it's not scripture, the, the, the reflection I have on it, even though it's a one or two sentence reflection. That's me. Now, you can focus on what Jesus said and really enter into it. But I'm just saying that anything that's written uh, by anybody, Thomas Kempis, uh, Sarah Young, or anybody else, in itself, it's not the scriptures. I would always much more go to scriptures, but if that helps you, go for it. Like, again, I love the Chosen series. Now, it's not scripture. It's based on scripture. Of course it is. But uh, they take uh, uh, artistic license with it as best they can, and they try to be as faithful as possible to it. But it's still, to me, like the first uh, episode at the end when he cries out scripture to Mary Magdalene, Jesus, when he meets her and says, you know, says her name and says, uh, be not afraid, I am with you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Whoa, that's powerful, used in scripture, but putting it in another context. So you can, those things can help you. If they help you fall in love with Jesus, then go for it. But I'm always big to make sure that we remember this isn't scripture, the scripture, scripture, and this can be helpful in our growing of Jesus. Hope that helps, uh, Marianne. Okay, again, stylistic scribe, does reason for our hope still offer silent retreats? If so, do you guide it and hear confessions? It offers, uh, I don't, I'm out of town way too much. Even my own parishioners uh, uh, have a chance, don't have a chance to see me as they'd like. And so the, uh, the reason for our hope, we have our own retreat house and it's called uh, Hope House uh, Retreat Center. And it's a place anybody can go and you can spend some time alone. And you don't need Father Larry Richards, you have Jesus Christ there. Now, about a block away, no, 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 half a, well, maybe half a mile. There is a church there, and they do have confessions and that there. So um, even though I'm looking for a pastor right now, come to think of it. But again, that's where it goes. I have, in all the years we've owned it, I've made uh, a retreat there, but I haven't led any retreats there. Um, 
which is not on purpose. I just haven't even thought about it. I think part of it is a lot of times the the capacity of the place for an overnight. I've done uh, uh, high school retreats there uh, that are day retreats, and I've done other talks there. But you know, the the capacity of the place is about twenty people right now. We need to do a whole new edition on that and get it caught up, and then I'd do more down there. But it's going to cost us like a half a million dollars um, to get where it needs to be, and so it's always on the back burner. Okay, I got to start raising money for this and get that place going so we can uh, more people can stay there we can have a better kitchen and that but the answer to your question is yes we do uh, have silent retreats down there you can go anytime and uh, but no I'm not there to conduct them right now or hear confessions okay have you ever seen the pope comments on Cult, uh, cancel culture one more reason <laughs> he, he just did that recently yeah, the the pope for every reason the last uh, couple of weeks has said all kinds of things to get him in hot water with both the left and the right um so he's going against cancel culture he told people that don't want to have any children that's being selfish and boy the, they really went crazy over that he's uh, been talking pro-life and again, the, the, the other side goes crazy over that. You know, he's pushing the synod, and a lot of conservatives are hating the whole thought of, of a synod. You know, like, we don't need any synods, and all this is people's opinions, and we got to stay focused on Jesus Christ. Well, of course you do. Whatever you do, the least, my brothers and sisters, you do unto me. It's easy to keep Jesus in the tabernacle. It's hard to deal with Jesus in our brothers and sisters. And so it's not either or, it's both and. And whenever anyone with any of that stuff, besides, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Pope now, I've just went off into a tangent for the Synod. When they say, this is the way it's supposed to be, it just shows their own arrogance and pride that this is the way it must be. We got to be leading, of course, and, uh, but we got to see Jesus and others and we got to listen to Jesus and others. And we got to discern whether it's from God or not of God. Of course, not everybody that speaks is speaking in Jesus' name or speaking his word or speaking his truth or speaking what Jesus wants. But to listen to people, I just think is, I don't do it enough. And I just think it's something we all got to do more. Um, yeah. So again, yes, I, I that's, Again, I, I don't understand. I really just, I really just don't understand at all people that have problems with Pope Francis. I think he's the closest thing we have to Jesus Christ today. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. He's the closest thing we have to Jesus living in the world today. Huh? Anyway, let's go on. Do, do, do. What is Sarah? You, just, you have to keep reading there. Harry. Good evening, Father, from Aussie, France. Well, it's good to have you. As a Le Ferron, France. I don't even speak English well, so sorry about that. <laughs> Lisa says, Is this what our church teaches? Do souls who have gone to purgatory for further purification before entrance to heaven burn in flames as though they are in hell? At Sister Faustina's uh, thing again, Sister Faustina, who I love, is not the teaching of the church. So 
that what the church teaches is one, uh, purgatory exists, and two, it's a good and holy thing to pray for the dead. Pope uh, Benedict, we talked about before, says purgatory can be in an instant, a twinkling, uh, uh, an instant, uh, instantaneous. It doesn't have to be days or weeks because there's no time, of course, in heaven. When you die, time is over. You can go into the eternal nowness of God by definition. Again, as I've talked about, I believe that the the God of love is a fire. His love is a fire. And the day we die, if we're in a state of grace, but still the selfishness in us, as God pulls us to himself, as embraces us, his, his fire burns away everything that's selfish in us. Um, so even when you talk about the fire of hell, could that be a fire of love? Because God, who's one that created all things, even justice is love. Hmm. Something to reflect on, I haven't even thought about. But anyway, that's, uh, but yes, again, always go back to what's the official teaching of church that always helps the best. Okay, as a former elementary school teacher, I ask, where were you the fun child in your class? Teacher's favorite because you made her laugh. <laughs> Thanks. I uh, sometimes, when I was just thinking about this the other day, because in fourth grade, we had a, a sister Mildred was her name. Very strong. She used to want to hit us in the back of the head if we were late because our, our first period every day at my Catholic grade school was uh, mass. We went to mass every day. But she used to give out these merit cards. And uh, every month, you know, every day, if you, had, if you were good, you got these merit cards. And at the end of the month, you got to pick. She had all kinds of stuff on her desk. And you, let's say you had 100 merits. You'd come up and turn in your 100 merit cards and you'd be able to pick something on the desk for 100 merits or whatever. And so every month I was always the first or second because I was uh, always wanting to work for those things. But then I remember get tired of it. And I just, because uh, I didn't talk, I was always silent in class, you know, and believe it or not. And then I said, okay, and I start talking and everything. And I'll never forget it because here I am and uh, I'm talking and I'm, I'm trying to be one of everybody else. And one of the boys raises his hand and says, Sister Mildred. I mean, Larry says that he doesn't like to be the way where you got all the merit. He's changing. And she looked at me and she says, you better not. And I, I, I changed real fast back to, I didn't want sister to get mad at me. So, uh, but in grade school, I was very quiet, very much a nerd. Um, and in high school, I was a little bit smarter. So, uh, I've never been athletic, even though when I was in grade school, I was a big, uh, I went and I did every sport. I got, I used to have a, I don't have any of the trophies anymore, but we, everybody that played, you got a trophy, huh? So I played baseball, not well. Basketball, not well. Football, not well. I was a boiler, bo uh, I bowled, I did that well. Uh, every Saturday, we used to do it Saturday morning. I used to love to go bowling. And then in seminary, like you've heard before, I became the captain of the team. All the seminarians, we were called the holy rulers. <clears throat> anyway, so, um, no, I wasn't the class clown or anything. I've always, always trying to be the, uh, the good one. So I wouldn't get the teacher mad at me. Uh, when I was young, I was very much a people pleaser. There's still part of that in me, but if you, you can tell, uh, I think I've went against that <laughs> the rest of my life. But anyway, so that's a good question. Thanks for asking. It's always fun questions like that. Okay, here we go. There you go. Does the church believe the souls are burning flames? Okay, I already talked about that. Do you ever have women retreats? I have done not uh, real retreat all weekends, but I have done women conferences. Um, 
because sometimes even though a lot of the it's a lot of women that watch here you know my main thing has been with the men's conferences and that but men again they're not gonna and there are men watching right now i don't mean that but uh for them to take an hour out of their life they don't want to uh, do that but uh, I haven't done many women's conferences because a lot of times I make women cry. <laughs> it's because, again, I'll be challenging of them. And like in the confessional, if I'm challenging a guy, they'll usually go, yes, Father, okay, I got it. If I challenge a woman and they start crying, and I go, ah, you know, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I usually don't say I'm sorry when it comes to that. I just think, listen, if you're going to grow in the spiritual life, you're going to have to go to the cross, and the cross isn't uh, easy. Um, and so, but no, I don't do a lot of women's retreat because I think a woman's spirit is different than a man's spirit, and that's why I, I don't have uh, uh, women as spiritual directees. I always tell women that women need women for spiritual direction, so I always say you should find uh, a holy nun who prays, and I, I've sent everyone who's come to me, I, I have some great nuns in the city of Erie, and I always send them to them, and I say, they will uh, lead you in the right way, because my my spirit isn't a gentle spirit, um, I know, so, but that's part of the reality. Okay, so we'll go back here to the uh, emails. Since Jesus was free from sin, why does the Apostles' Creed state that he descended into hell? What's well, explicitly because he was free from sin. He descended into hell, and again, the translation's bad in the English. It's he descended to the dead. So he descended to the netherworld, the abode of the dead. Uh, and there he set them free from death. And that's what that means, that he is the Lord of living and the dead. So he descended to hell means he went there to set the people free who were in the abode of the dead. I've been trying to spend quiet time with Jesus, but I find it difficult to keep my mind from wondering. With all your daily responsibilities and obligations, how do you stay focused on being with Jesus? I do it by waking up early in the morning. So again, this morning I was up at 355. And today was one of the days I worked out first, and then I came and did my whole hour. And so I always start by doing the things I need to do. You know, I start with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and then I do the Holy Rosary, and then I do the Breviary. Uh, and then I can be silent. And then I can listen. But I, if I got to do the things that I got to do first, because if not, then I'm always like, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. So the way I do it is I do what I need to do first, what I'm committed to do, and then I can be still afterwards. And um, often to help me do that, I'll just say a word to me. My surrender word is Abba. Uh, and so if I can close my eyes, and I'm always in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but if I just say Abba, <sighs> that I can come into God's presence and know that he is with me at this moment. And again, my, my way of teaching people how to pray is that you do three things. You tell God, you become aware of his presence, you breathe at least three times in, for the, in, in the name of the Trinity, um, and then you become still. So Because when you say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen, it's like the Spirit brings you up into the intimacy of the Trinity you get brought into that relationship, which is what all prayer is about. And then you begin all prayer with repentance, and that's an act of humility. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. And again, repentance is necessary, and that means, Lord, I'm sorry, and by your grace, I'm not going to do this sin anymore. 
done. It's not just, I'm sorry, God, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm sorry, God, and I'm going to repent of this. And then I imagine Jesus coming and putting out his hand and covering my head with his blood and forgiving me. And then, so I'm sorry, the second part is I surrender to make sure that uh, every day I'm surrendering my life to God and his will and not me and my will. And that's the hardest part. It comes back to the obedience, comes back to the humility thing. The hardest, hardest part is handing over control of your life to God. And sometimes we all say, oh, I do that, Father. I've already given my life to Jesus. Really? In all things? Will you do anything he tells you? Of course. Well, okay, he wants you to forgive that person you haven't talked to in five years. Well, I won't do that. You don't understand, Father. He hurt me. Ah, Jesus said forgive if you're going to be forgiven. He says take care of the poor. Are you taking care of the poor every day? Do you tithe? Well, nah, that's what Jesus said. So don't tell me you've surrendered your life to Jesus when you are still doing things your way. Huh? And again, it says, well, I do almost everything for Jesus. I say, yep. It only takes one string, one little thread to keep a bird from flying. It's only one thing, not surrendered to Jesus, that keeps us growing in holiness, not keeps us from growing in holiness. So again, it's a process, and we have to go deeper, deeper, deeper. So I surrender. So first, I'm sorry. That makes Jesus my Savior. Second, I surrender. That makes Jesus my Lord. And then third is hold me. And that's when I become like a little child, a little boy, and I just let the God of the universe embrace me for at least three minutes. So one minute, I'm sorry. One minute, I surrender. Three minutes, at least, hold me. And then with that time in the Father's arms, then ending that time, saying with Jesus slowly, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. Well, and so that's one way. So you're doing stuff, but now you can uh, open yourself to God. Okay, so hopefully that helps. Uh, okay, so let's go. Do we have one here? Okay. Do you ever have women retreats listening to you in Sydney, Australia? Good, I love Sydney. I've been down here, you know. I don't know if you were there when I came down, but we had a fine time. And I really have all the places in, uh, all the places I visited in Australia, Perth is my favorite. Sorry. Sydney, and I'm sorry, uh, Melbourne, but I really love Perth. Anyway, Father Larry, can you explain the number one, Holy Spirit of God, two, the spirit of the world, three, the spirit of your own in simple ways? Thanks. The spirit of God is the Holy Spirit, God himself. The spirit of the world is, uh, you know, like power and uh, prestige and uh, the lust of things and the lust of the flesh and the... Uh, Spirit of your own is your own desires of flesh, you know. So, uh, like, again, I have anger issues, which I'll be talking to my shrink about in just about 15 minutes here. And, you know, I've been seeing a counselor for the last two years. I was doing much better. And then last week, I completely lost it. I mean, completely. So I'm going to go in and tell the, my shrink he's a, he has failed. So uh, I, I still lost it. But it's kind of like... I mean, I, I went to confession two days later, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't at any person. I was with all the priests, you know, so it wasn't like I hurt somebody. It was just I lost it. And I, it, there was, yeah. So anyway, so that was my flesh. It wasn't demonic. It wasn't from the world. It was from me. So the Spirit of God is God. 
the spirit of the world is the, and usually the three things we fight, that's where I thought I was going. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so the world is, like, again, I talked about the worldly things of power and prestige and everything else. The flesh is my own desires, be it the, to, to, to lust or anger or uh, gluttony. And then the devil is, you know, when the devil oppresses you or he possesses you or he tempts you. So those are the three things we fight against. So hopefully that helps. Okay. I went to Latin Mass with Father Jamie Powers yesterday at St. Hedwig's. Father Powers is a good man. Uh, I never remember the that many serving altar boys or the amount of incense being used when I was attached to the Latin Mass back in the day. Yes, Father Powers loves that. I wish I had all those servers. Um, um, yes, so I would... Uh, Yes, but I mean, it's good. Yes, Father Jamie's very, very, very good priest. Father, what would you like to see achieved by Pope Francis' Sidonal uh, path or sin, the Synod path? I'd like to see really them get to know the church. Sometimes when we talk about the church, we're only talking about the hierarchy. And I think that that's where we gotta, we gotta stop that. Not that the hierarchy isn't important. It's very important. Jesus chose 12 apostles to lead the church. But sometimes we're so focused on the hierarchy. And look, at I love the Pope 100%, but when the Pope is telling us we have to listen to each other, that we have to be concerned about each other, sometimes the people that are most into the hierarchical stuff aren't, control, aren't concerned about the poor or a, a priest that thinks that they're better because they're a priest than other people. And say, well, Father, that's not people. Oh, trust me, I've been a priest for 32 years. There's a lot of priests. There have been times when I think that in my head, the clericalism. So I, I, I'm just hoping that we as a church can be that, it, you know, we go from, like it's been said for years, that the church should not be a museum. It should be a hospital for sinners. Because in God's heart is that he wants everyone to be saved. So we got to meet everyone where there are, where they are. Jesus did. God became a man for us. That's unbelievable. And so like even this past week when we had the, the feast of the baptism, you know, my classmate came and he preached on, I didn't preach on this, he preached on it. Father Nick, he's a, he's a good, good, holy man. And he says, you know, the second part of the baptism is the reason Jesus got baptized was to show he wanted to be where sinners are. And not just, what? He wanted to be where sinners are. And I think that we need to be where sinners are because Jesus was. He was so much where sinners were, they called him a drunkard and a glutton. But he never became a sinner. We as a church need to listen to the pain and the hurt of the world, to the sin of the world. I mean, Jesus didn't run from the sin. He conquered it by becoming it on the cross. And sometimes we stand aloof instead of standing in one with all people. So that's, I mean, in my mind, that's where it is, but I don't know uh, where the spirit of the living God is going to be. It's called the sense of the faithful that God, through his spirit, speak through the sense of the church. 
Now, again, this isn't a democracy where we vote on things, and that's not what the Sid. Uh, the synod is going to be about. Let's vote on things. So I think we should all have sex before marriage, some people would say. So let's vote on it. Or I think we should allow uh, artificial birth control. Let's vote on it. Nope, 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 nope. That's not what a synod does. A synod listens to the pain, the hopes, the desires, the needs of the people of God so that we can minister to them. And I think that's what it is. And think about it. They're asking every parish in the whole world to listen. Whoa, what a great thing. And people are afraid of that, are afraid of truth. They just are. And that's a judgment. Did you get, I was being judgmental. I know, I was being judgmental. So there you go. That's what I would hope. Okay. I can't imagine how a Christian member of the military deals with having taken a life while serving during wartime. Where does the church stand on this issue and how would you counsel a struggling soldier? Well, first of all, uh, the church is always, it says you shall not murder. It's not you shall not kill. The church is allowed through just war theory and different things, even if you go all the way back to uh, uh, a military member asking John the Baptist, you know, what should I do? And he says, you know, don't... uh, um, I forget the exact thing, but, you know, don't hurt people or uh, uh, I don't know the whole thing, but it was just do what you're doing, but be good about it or be uh, um, honest and just. And so we, the church has always allowed for us in war to kill people for a just cause, to save other people. Like, for instance, like let's say a very basic thing that, there is uh, a man there, and he's holding a gun against a, a four-year-old child. And I have a gun, and I'm a sharpshooter. Is it permissible for me to kill the man to save the baby? And the answer is yes. But I'm killing somebody. Well, of course I am. But I'm stopping them from killing an innocent child. We cannot kill innocent people. We uh, To stop... A person who's going to hurt somebody else, we can stop that. So that's a very, very focused thing about what war does. So like when we were at war with Germany and Hitler was killing all the Jews and the Catholics and everyone didn't agree with him, and we killed Jews, not Jews, we killed the German um, military, then that would be an okay thing. I've had to deal with many people in the military. And they still have guilt. Of course they do. But again, you just got to, the, the world is a fallen world. And we need to be able to stand up for people who are evil. Like someone like Hitler was evil. And there are still evil people in the world today who kill others for their own selfish pleasure and for their own desires. So we need people to be strong and stand up against them. So hope that helps. Uh, how can Jesus be the, in the line of David when it ends with Joseph and he's not Jesus' biological father? Well, again, in that time, you could do things through adoption too. So that's why he's in the line of Joseph through David. I mean, through Joseph. He's in the line of David through Joseph in his humanity. But that's why uh, he was the foster father of Jesus. Questions, are we really all descendants of Adam and Eve? Were they really real or symbols of someone else? Well, of course, it was two real people. Um, 
we just call them Adam and Eve, which is the mother of all the living in that. But of course, we believe that there is one man, one woman, and God uh, created. Now, how did he create? We don't know. But it's teaching us a truth that God created. Okay? And then in the Old Testament, why did Noah's son get cursed when he found Noah in the tent sleeping naked? Nakedness, and it was the, like uh, uh, the greatest... Uh, humiliation to be naked so especially for jews uh so you're supposed to stay away not stay away they don't need to uh, protect people who are naked so that's the again that's it's just a, a cultural custom then okay hopefully that helps okay one last question here our bishop has given an ultimatum to our seminarians get vaccinated or get out our neighboring bishop has given his seminarians free will. How does your bishop state on the vaccine mandate? He hasn't stated one way or the other. Uh, so he lets them have their own decision. But I think that if, like as a priest, if I'm going to be more concerned about others than I am about myself, it doesn't matter what I want. Again, it comes to obedience. If I'm going to be, like I got vaccinated three times and boosted, I didn't do it for me so much as I did it for my people because I did not want to be an instrument of uh, death to somebody. Okay? So, thank you again for being with me for this last uh, 57 minutes. I'm so glad you are here. Again, next week, I will not be here. I'll be on vacation uh, for 10 days. So, uh, I'll be coming back the day that Thursday. So, hopefully, I'll be in good enough shape to do the podcast and that. And all my planes are on time, so I can get back here on time for it. But just in case... Uh, if, if I'm not there, it means I'm delayed because of uh, planes, which hopefully that ain't going to happen. So pray for me that all the planes are on time. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect every one of you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with me.